feel like the best lunch food is definitely a sandwich and it doesn't matter what kind of sandwich it is whether it's hot or it's cold it's just the universal best lunch food it has the carbs it has the meat or protein if you're not a meat person it has whatever toppings that you want on that which is typically some sort of vegetable so a tomato lettuce and then there's some dairy in there if you're into that with cheese on it that is just the epitome of lunch to me like really hones in on the food pyramid and it's just everything that you could possibly want i say this but the last time that i took a sandwich into work or had a sandwich for lunch rather i can't even tell you i don't remember it's probably when i went to go to al subs which is the it's like an off-brand quiznos or subway that's probably the last time i had a sub or the last time I had a sandwich for lunch, and it was a chicken parm, so I don't even, like, categorize that as a sandwich, because that is a sub, and that's just a lot, and there's a lot to be said about the difference between subs and sandwiches. For one, a meatball sub, all right? At my last job, I came into work, and I was extremely hungover, and I knew that the only thing that was going to cure me was a meatball sub, for whatever reason. That was going to be the thing that was going to revive me, resurrect me, give me clarity, give me peace of mind, make me feel at ease, was this meatball sub from Subway. So... During my lunch hour, I got in my car, drove to Subway, got the sub, felt really ashamed when it was literally just the meatballs, the cheese, and the foot-long Italian bread at the checkout counter with me, with the judgmental glare of the cashier. Anyways, so purchased my footlong sub from Subway, which by the way, footlong subs are no longer $5 at Subway anymore. That was a shocker and very jolting to my being. I guess I'm not going to Subway enough anymore. I guess the only time that I really went to Subway was after like sporting events in middle school and high school when my dad was driving me to and from places. (laughs) But anyway, so I leave with my footlong sub from Subway in the car The whole car fills with the warm embrace of this meatball sub. I'm sitting in the parking lot knowing that I really can't walk back in there with this bagged meatball sub and devour it the way that I was going to in front of other humans. So what I instead decided to do was start my car back up, drive down the street to a hotel, park in their parking lot, and eat my sub there. And that's exactly what I did. I sat in that parking lot and I think I ate the sub in less than six minutes. And then I sat there with the decision that I just made, the empty Subway wrapper and the flakes of the Italian bread all over my lap. Then was reminded of my decision when I came back into my car after work was over and my car still smelled like the meatball sub and continued to smell like a meatball sub for the next 48 hours. That is the difference between a sandwich and a sub. A sub will stink up your car for 48 hours. A sandwich would never. And so that's what I'm getting at with the sandwich ordeal. It is really the varsity athlete of the lunchtime meal. What I'm currently doing is eating my leftovers that I make from HelloFresh. And let me just tell you, if I'm not in the mood to make HelloFresh one night, that screws me over for lunch the next day. So I need to get some good bread, need to get some good protein, 
even though I'm not a protein gal. So maybe that's why I'm not a sandwich gal. Hmm. Anyways, we'll circle back on that. And then some nice cheese and some lettuce and tomato, whatever. And then I'll, then I'll be in business. Then I'll have my life together. Then I'll feel like things are in order. I'm squared away and I'm really owning life when I start having sandwiches. And then you can bring other snacks on top of that. Like when you have leftovers, the leftover is the entire meal. It's, you don't have sides with a leftover. I mean, sometimes you do, but the leftover is your meal. That's it. Then normally you want a little something on the side, which with a sandwich is easy and normal. But if you bring leftover lasagna and then have a bag of chips with it, you're like, what, what is this? What am I, what are we looking at? What are we doing here? Whereas if you have a sandwich with a bag of chips, that's normal. That's to be expected. So that's my whole mentality on sandwiches and how I think they're going to revolutionize my lunch hour at work. And I say hour, it's really not an hour. It's however much time I'm willing to allocate during the day, which I guess that falls upon my own work-life balance. Anyways, let's get after it. So today we're going to move away from the sandwich topic and start focusing on being a natural born empath and people pleaser. I have this painting that I made when I broke up with my long-term boyfriend from college. I was going through a period of self-discovery, if you will, trying to understand what things meant to me and trying to come to terms with being happy with the decisions that I make. And so I painted this drawing, which is similar to an Emma Emma Atterbury or Emma Matterbury. I'm not really sure what her name is, but you've probably seen it. It's like the melting skeletons, if you will. But anyways, that was the artistic approach that I took to it. The painting itself is set in a desert, probably Arizona or New Mexico. There's mountains in the background, there's cactuses in the foreground, and there's a UFO coming to abduct these words. And the words say, choose what makes you happy. And that became kind of my motto for the next few months while I was trying to go through this breakup was just choosing me and choosing things that made me happy, which was pretty easy to do when I was graduating college and I had no real responsibilities for the months before I was working. seemed very easy to choose what was making me happy because I really had no responsibilities. I really had nothing standing between me and what made me happy, what made me feel good. I also thought that choosing what made me happy was me choosing to come to Boston, me choosing to work at an engineering firm in Boston, which to be clear, the engineering firm I worked at was not really in Boston. It was in a suburb and it was a plumbing company. So Not necessarily the dream job that I was looking for post-grad, but whatever. It got me to where I am. I'm grateful for the experience. Anyways, and so I was choosing things that I thought were making me happy, but I think I was just choosing things because that's what I always aspired to do. And I think that there is a difference. I think that the goals that you set for yourself are definitely something that should give you some sort of happiness and satisfaction. But at the same time, that's subject to change at any moment. And just because something seems like it's going to make you happy and that you're going to work at an engineering firm in Boston, when in the reality, it's 
a plumbing company in the suburbs of Boston, not even the suburbs, it was the South Shore of Boston. So for those that don't live in the Massachusetts area, it was 30 minutes south of Boston. Beginning that and understanding that the goal that I set for myself, I was settling and allowing for what I thought was going to be this awesome opportunity, which again, extremely thankful for and, and got me to where I am today. But it's not necessarily what was going to make me happy. I think what was going to make me happy was going to work for a biotech startup or a startup in general, which is what I'm currently doing and choosing things that are making me happy. That phrase, choose what makes you happy, seems like it becomes an impossible task when you're a natural born empath and people pleaser. So you're trying to please other people when you're making decisions and you're having extreme empathy for other people. And so you're letting other people's emotions affect you. For me, I know that I'm a natural empath because when I was younger and Nico and I were in school together, I knew when he was in trouble at school and I knew when he was at trouble in trouble at home. And I remember very vividly coming home from school one day and and my dad is mad about, at Nico about something that he did. But I remember sitting on my bed crying because I was so, and my stomach was aching because I was so upset that Nico was getting in trouble. And the pain that he was feeling of getting in trouble and being yelled at by my dad, I also felt. I felt that pain. That continued into my adult life as well as when I see other people struggling. I dated this boy recently. We spend a lot of time together and I can tell when something's off with him. I just know that something's not right and want to check in and want to make sure everything's okay. And I'm hurting because I can tell that he's hurting and I want to do everything in my power to try and make the hurting for him stop because selfishly, I want to make the hurting for me stop. And I feel the pain that he feels and I feel, I feel a lot and it's a lot for me to take in and absorb because putting a lot of pressure on myself, a lot of weight on my shoulders of constantly assessing other people's happiness and other people's emotions, other people's feelings. And it becomes draining because you don't, when you're doing that, you're not allowing for yourself to be self-assessing and self-diagnosing whether or not you're happy. And going back, you're not able to choose what makes you happy. If what makes me happy is becoming a therapist to a guy I dated, then there's something we need to check in with that because we're no longer dating. I don't owe him that. And that's not what makes me happy. But it makes me feel better. It makes me feel good to know that he's happy, that he's doing okay. I'm not going to say that. But it doesn't make me happy. It's not what makes me tick. And I think that that's the difference. The things that make you feel good aren't necessarily the things that make you feel happy. So going back to the job, telling myself that I was going to move to Boston and work at an engineering firm made me feel good. When in the reality... I was working at a plumbing company, not in Boston, in the suburbs. And I just, it was not what I was in. You're, you're feeding yourself these false narratives of what's actually going on because you want to justify 
and have some cognitive dissonance of the situation and not try and spend your time doing things that aren't serving you and that aren't making you happy. And I think being an empath then also naturally falls into being a people pleaser and wanting to make sure that other people are cared for. And then in turn, that causes for you to not be self-aware of your feelings any longer and not being able to be able to recognize when you're not making choices that are serving you and making you happy. Don't get me wrong. I love to host. I love to host events. I love having people over. I love having a good time. There's nothing that energizes me more than putting together and planning a party, inviting people, my friends, my family, strangers that I just met to this party, and having everybody come together, have a good time, smile, laugh, bounce around from group to group, feel the energy of the room, and just be with people in a fashion that I organized and I orchestrated. I selected who was going to be here. I selected the party decorations. I picked the beverage that's here. Everyone, everything is coming together in my unique symphony that I'm orchestrating. And it is such a great feeling. I love that feeling. And it's one of the things that I strive to do. I would love nothing more to live in a massive house that I can host tons of people and have these amazing parties. That is really one of my major goals in life is doing just that. But recently, I decided that I was going to host a St. Patrick's Day party, which is a big deal in Boston. I was going to have people over. We were going to drink beer, have a good time, sing some Dropkick Murphy tunes, you know, the whole ordeal. Irish culture is huge here in Boston. It's rampant. I love it. It's energy's great. But that same weekend, Nico was going back to my dad's house for uh, his spring break. I hadn't been home since before November, and I've been emotionally going through a lot. And I kind of just want a break from being in Boston, going into the office every day. And I want to go home. I want to work from home. I want to be in a different environment. I want to be in the South in a slower pace of life. I want to be taken care of by my dad. And when I say taken care of, I don't mean that he cooks me dinner and cleans up after me because let's be honest, I'm cooking the dinner while I'm home and I'm cleaning up after myself. But he pays for me to do those things. He's paying for me to go to the grocery store and get the food. He's paying for all of the utilities of me being there. So it's my exchange is my rationale behind that. But it's nice to be taken care of and not have to worry about what you're going to do, about what you're going to eat, what you're going to bring for lunch, who you're going to sit by at lunch, what you're going to talk about, all the things that are just extracurriculars really that occupy my social battery which and I'm an extrovert I love other people I love spending time with other people I get my energy from other people but there's a time that you need to recognize that your social battery needs to be recharged and that's what I'm recognizing that my social battery needs to be recharged I need to go home but the two events of St. Patrick's Day and Nico's spring break and me being home coinciding with each other really it was not an ideal situation for a people pleaser because I want to throw this party. I want to have people over. I love to host. But do I want to host a St. Patrick's Day event 
where the whole goal of the day is for everyone to black out and I don't drink? Is that really something that I want to be a part of? And I know what you're probably thinking. Sarah, I thought you liked going out and being with people and having fun. There's a difference between going out to a bar where people are casually drinking. Some people are drinking to black out. Sure. There's those, there's a range of people that are there. Whereas at an event like this or an event like New Year's Eve or Halloween, people are all blacking out to forget, which is fine. I've been there. I've done that. I loved it. It was fun. But have you ever showed up to a party an hour too late and everyone's already kind of drunk and you're just sitting there miserable because everyone is too incoherent to have any sort of conversation with you? And everything just really kind of frustrates you. And maybe, again, I'm alone on this, but I don't think that I am because I don't think anybody that's sober wants to meet up with their drunk friends because that's annoying. It's frustrating and it's aggravating. And to choose to be around people and not only choose to be around them, host a bunch of blackout drunks in your home for an entire day realizing that's probably not something I want to sign up to do. And so again, being that I want to charge my social battery, I want to go home, see my dad and Nico, and I want to be taken care of. I want to be able to take a bath because my apartment doesn't have a bathtub and I enjoy the pleasure of bathing. And I know a lot of people don't like baths. They're grossed out by baths. My message back to you is grow up. Baths are amazing, highly recommended, and one of my simple pleasures in life. Anyways, I want to go home and do those things. And because I told people why I was having a St. Patrick's Day party and that I wanted to have a St. Patrick's Day party, I felt really inclined to tell Nico and my dad that I wasn't coming anymore. And if I wasn't going to come, maybe what I could do so that I could have the best of both worlds instead of telling them, oh, I'm not going to come anymore. I was going to choose to work or fly home to South Carolina on Monday and then fly back really early Sunday morning, right before the parade, get in for the parade, host the party, have an amazing time, and then wake up and go to work the next day. In what world would that social battery be recharged? That social battery would be depleted as soon as Monday rolled around. Let's be honest there. And additionally, it was like 300 more bucks to change my flight to Sunday as opposed to Tuesday when I'm coming back, actually. And so understanding that, all right, why would I do that to really be the antithesis of the entire reason that I'm going home? And do I really want to spend St. Patrick's Day with a bunch of drunk people? Choose what makes you happy. Am I happy hosting? Yes, love to host. Am I happy hosting this specific event after I just charged my social battery and after I just spent a nice relaxing week at home? No. And for whatever reason, I was filled with so much guilt and dread 
when I decided to buy the ticket back on Tuesday as opposed to the Sunday preceding it. It was because I thought I was letting people down. I was letting myself down because I'm the fun girl. Even though I'm sober, I still like to have fun. And I want to be known as that. And I want to please other people and have them also have that expectation of me that I'm the fun girl. Really? Like, let's be real. Who would we, who would you rather upset at the end of the day? Somebody else or yourself? Personally, I'd rather upset somebody else because I have to go, I have to lay my head to rest every night with myself. Nobody else but myself. I, there's That's the one person I cannot escape. So if I'm constantly beating myself up because I need to be there for other people and I need to be the life of the party for other people and I need to be the host for other people, what about me? What about that time that I needed to recharge my social battery. And it's still something that I'm working at overcoming and I'm working at developing, but it's hard. It's really hard. And you kind of have to ask yourself, all right, when am I going to put me first? I'm putting all of these people first. I'm putting all of these people that want to come over and have a party and have this expectation of me and have this expectation of the day When in reality, they're not going to remember where they spent St. Patrick's Day. And that this is just a very narrow look at specific recent areas. But this is applicable for a large portion of things. This is applicable for work and for personal life and for relationships. Having boundaries is extremely important. In knowing when the boundaries need to come up, of when things start affecting your personal time, and when things start affecting your work time, and when things start affecting your relationships. These are boundaries that we need to start recognizing. And by we, I mean me, because I'm just voicing my thoughts on this, of being a natural-born empath and a natural people-pleaser, and trying to come to terms with where I fit in to my own prerogative, to my own people-pleasing and empathy-ridden tendencies. It's tough, it's hard, and I'm still working on figuring it out. Acknowledging the fact that you're capable of making decisions that serve you and don't need to please other people and don't necessarily need to be about other people. People are going to feel how they're going to feel at the end of the day. And there is really very little that you can do to change that. And if you're going to put your energy into changing how a person feels instead of yourself over and over and over again, you'll probably also find yourself extremely drained. Like I did. Like I have. Like I had guilt deciding to go home on St. Patrick's Day, a holiday I could care less about, to spend time with my family and with myself, it's it doesn't make sense at the end of the day. But that's what I've got. Thanks for listening to The Aspiring Adult. I will see you next week.